still waiting on everybody here to come join me tonight. You're going to help me preach tonight? I've been feeling this for some time, and uh, in fact, even hinted at it a few weeks ago when I was teaching the book of Matthew. Uh, and so that's how long I've been working on this. Um, I don't intend, which is a big word. There's a big difference between intend and promise. Right? Big difference between intend and promise. I don't intend to be long. I'm not making any promises. I'm expressing my intentions. And um, so... I just want to get across something that's been on my heart for a few weeks. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, reading two verses of Scripture, verses 14 and 15. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to... What is that word? Causes us to triumph. God causes us God enables us God motivates us God empowers us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. Thanks be to God, which always, everyone say always. Everyone say always. God always causes us to triumph. Oh, hallelujah. So I want to, just a few moments of time tonight, preach to you about the trilogy of triumphs. The trilogy of triumphs. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down and let's talk to the Lord together right now, everybody. I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Help us tonight, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Jesus. Grant me an anointing and an unction tonight to convey the burden that's upon my heart. Give us enlightenment and revelation tonight. And God, most of all, I want you to save souls before we leave this house. Do a work in somebody's life tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for what I feel right now. I feel that call from another world. I feel that wind starting to blow. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. The Trilogy of Triumphs. Let me offer for you a few definitions before I get too far into this tonight. 
First of all, the word trilogy is simply a group of three things that are related to one another. Many times it's used of plays or novels or movies. That there is a trilogy, part one, part two, part three. But really the word trilogy itself doesn't necessarily mean a continuation of the same thing. It only means three things that are related. I have a trilogy of daughters. Hallelujah. And so three things that are related, that's what a trilogy is. Now the word triumph, uh, when I looked that up, there were several definitions that were offered. But there were three definitions that jumped out at me when I looked at this word. And each of these definitions applies to one part of the trilogy that I want to talk about tonight. So please bear with me. The, The definitions of triumph upon which I want to focus are these. First of all, in Roman history, a triumph was the ceremonial entrance of a victorious commander. When he rode through the gates of a city, that was called his triumph. Amen. Or a triumphal entry. As he rode in and the people recognized his power, his might, and his victories. It was a triumphal entry. The second definition for triumph uh, was simply a significant success or a noteworthy achievement. When you have accomplished something that really stands out, then that is a triumph. Adding two and two is not a triumph. Unless you're six months old. Well, praise God. Then it becomes quite the triumph. I mean, this is a noteworthy achievement. Right? Those little preschoolers, when when they can barely speak and they're quoting their ABCs, that's a triumph for them. Because it's a noteworthy achievement. Now, it's not a big deal for me to recite the ABCs tonight. Be a big deal if I couldn't. But you understand, it's not just any accomplishment, but it's when you reach a milestone. It is something very significant, very noteworthy. That is a triumph. Not just any victory, but a special victory. And the third definition for the word triumph actually is is a term of description for the exaltation that results from a victory. That is the joy that is expressed over that success. Well, hallelujah. So just tuck those away as we look at the three triumphs that I want to preach to you about for just a few moments tonight. The first triumph that I want to point out is the one that was called the triumphal entry that took place on Sunday, one week before the resurrection. Amen. This story is one of the few stories that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Each of the Gospel writers, as I've told you, has his own perspective, his own angle from which he's writing. And there are very few things that all four of them included. The way we get an accurate picture of the life of Jesus Christ is by reading all four Gospels. 
And even then it doesn't cover everything. Because John concluded his gospel by saying, I didn't tell you everything. There's no way I could. Because if everything that Jesus did while he was on earth was written down into books, John said the world itself could not contain the volumes. Well, praise God. But this is one of the few things that is dealt with in each one of the four Gospels. We're going to look at John's story uh, in John chapter 12, beginning with verse number 12. On the, on the day much people that would come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried. They Hos cried? Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is the king. Blessed of is the. Are you with me tonight? Everybody paying attention? Blessed is the what? Is the king. Blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found and a Jesus, young ass, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, sat thereon as, it is written, as it's written. Fear not, fear not, daughter, daughter of Zion, Zion because your, your king is coming, sitting on and he's sitting colt. on the ass's colt. Amen. Now listen, here's what I want to tell you. This was a triumph of the first definition. This was one of those times that the people in Jesus' day knew full well. They knew what it was. This was a common occurrence for the Romans to mount their horses and ride through the the gates of a city after a major victory. Now what you may not know is there just had been a pretty major victory that had taken place. Jesus had just come from Bethany. He had just called Lazarus out of the grave. Well, praise God, that's a pretty important victory. But he's riding now through the streets, through the gates of the city, and in down to the streets of Jerusalem. And I'm telling you, this was a triumph of Roman sorts. And the people recognized it. And the people laid their palm branches in the way. And the people cried out to him, Hosanna, which means save, O Lord. They recognized him for who he was. They, they were not just saying, this is a good teacher. They were not just saying, this is another rabbi. Come on, somebody. But they said, this is the king of Israel. Now look. That may not mean much to you, but to a Jew, there was only one they claimed as their king. It wasn't the second person in the Godhead, but it was Jehovah himself. That was the only king they recognized. And when Jesus rode through the gate of Jerusalem, they said, this is Jehovah. Our king has come to us. This was a triumph. Amen. The second triumph, second triumph occurred one week later. The people in the first triumph had announced Christ as king. Can I tell you the sad commentary is this. It turned out he was only king for a day. Because it didn't take long for the tide of public sentiment to change. And they went within a matter of hours from crying Hosanna to crying crucify. 
And they did just that. In fact, they were given a chance. Pontius Pilate stood before them after interrogating Jesus, and he said, I find no fault in this man. He's done nothing worthy of death. But they continued to cry, crucify him. And so Pilate got a bright idea. He said, I know what I'll do. It's my custom every year at the Passover to release a prisoner. So what he did is he went through the prison rolls and he found the worst, most vicious, most vile criminal he could find. And he said, I'm going to give them this choice. They can have this murderer. You know, I, I don't even know who to, who to compare him with. But, but to Charles Manson, when I was a teenager, that was a big thing. Any of you don't even know who he is. Um, but, but anyhow, you know, just a vicious, brutal murderer going and writing words uh, on the walls with the blood of his victims. And, uh, you know, th this is what happened. Pilate found the worst possible criminal he could find. And he said, I'm giving you a choice. This criminal or the Christ. He thought there's no way that the Jewish people want this criminal on the loose again. There's no way that they want him to be released into the public again. And so they'll let Jesus go. But they said, give us Barabbas. But as for Jesus, crucify him. And so they did. They put him to death. They had beaten him brutally. They hung him publicly. They mocked him. They spit on him. They pierced his side with a sword. And the final moment of anguish, he cried out, it is finished. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he died. But thank God the story doesn't end there. Because three days later, we talked about it this morning. They came to the tomb. And they found out something had transpired. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 6. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away they from the sepulcher. They found the stone rolled away. And they entered in and found not, the body, found of not the, the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men two stood men by stood them by in, shining garments. in shining garments. And as they were afraid, as they were afraid and bowed down their bowed faces down their to faces, the earth, they said unto them, they said, Why seek ye the, the living among the dead? The angels said, Why? Are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. Because he's not here. But he is risen. He's risen. Remember how he spoke He's not you? in the graveyard anymore. He's not in the tomb anymore. I'm going to tell you, last Sunday he had a triumphal entry, but this Sunday he had a triumphal exit. Oh, hallelujah. He said, death, you can't hold me. Grave, you can't keep me down. I've spent my time here, but I'm getting back up again. Oh, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. I'm telling you, on that third day, he came forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave. You want to talk about an achievement that is noteworthy? You want to talk about a success that needs to be lauded? This was a triumph, my friend, when he triumphed over death. Oh, hallelujah. The triumphal entry one week to the triumphal exit the next. Praise God. But he didn't just exit Jerusalem. He exited death itself. And though there are others throughout the scripture that have been raised from the dead, no one ever raised themselves until Jesus did. Well, praise God. But he did exactly that. And because he did that, listen to what he says in Revelation 1, verses 17 and 18. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. Fear not. I am the first I'm and the, the last. And I'm the last. I am he that liveth. I'm he that liveth. And was dead. And, and was dead. Now, now listen, I don't know of any other place in Scripture where the word was applied to God. He's always the I am. But in this case, he was. But you know what he was? He was dead, but he's not anymore. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, and behold I am alive, alive forevermore. Amen. Amen. Now the and have the keys of hell and of death. I'm talking about a triumph. I'm talking about a victory. I'm talking about a noteworthy achievement. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Furthermore, that victory provided us, amen, with access to such a victory. For Romans chapter 6 and verse 9 says this. Knowing that Christ, knowing that Christ being raised, being raised from the dead, dieth no, dieth no more. Death has no, death more, dominion has no over more dominion him. over him. And Paul goes on to write, it has no more dominion over us either. You know how I'm going to get to that place where I don't have to worry? I'm not going to die. I'm going to fall asleep. is what happens to sinners. We just fall asleep and wake up in the presence of the king. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? I'll tell you where it is. The mighty conqueror ripped it out of your hands. He is the triumphant one. Oh, let's praise him for a minute. But it is the third triumph that I really want to talk to you about tonight. I think we are aware of the triumphal entry and the triumphal exit. There's another triumph we need to understand. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. We read it as our text. Let's read it again. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. 
For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved and in them that perish. Now, now, look, if there's a way to put both these verses up there and just leave them up there for a few minutes, I want you to do that. Amen. Both verses 14 and 15. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you can apply this scripture. A lot of things that can be talked about when it comes to God causing us to always triumph in Christ. But I want to I want to make the application tonight from that third definition of what triumph really means. For triumph is not only a ceremonial pr- procession uh, through the gates of a city, and triumph is not only uh, some great achievement or accomplishment in life. But there is a third definition to the word triumph, and that is, amen, that exaltation that results from a victory, the joy that is expressed over a success. I submit to you tonight that what Paul is talking about when he said God causes us to always triumph, he's not just talking about being victorious over problems, but that word triumph is when you begin to express praise over a success that's been done. You know what God is wanting out of his church? He's wanting us to give him worship. He's wanting us to always triumph. It was Peter who said, amen, that in all things, or Paul said, in all things give thanks. Peter said, count it all joy when you're falling in diverse temptation. I'm telling you what God wants out of his church. That third triumph he had the first, he had the second, but the third is put into our hands. This is our job. This is our responsibility. And it ought to always go on. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually. Not just when things are going good, not just when I got a full bank account, but when I'm at the end of my rope, I'm still going to triumph. I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to worship him. That's what Job was doing when he said, though he slay me. I don't understand what you're doing, God. I'm trying to do my best. I'm offering sacrifice. I'm praying. I'm living right. I don't know why you stripped me of everything, but it doesn't really matter. Amen. Don't he slay me. Yet will I trust him. I'm going to praise him in the good times, in the bad times, in the difficult times, in the easy times, in the sick times, in the healthy times. He causes us, he always causeth us to triumph. Church, that's what ought to be going on when we come to church. You've had a bad week. You've been through some problems. You've had to deal with some knotheads on the job. A couple of you have. Some of you deal with some knotheads at home. Some of you are the naughty. No, no, no. I can. Hallelujah. But the thing about coming into this place, you know what happens? We begin to pray. 
we begin to focus on him and God causes us always. Every time I come into his house, you know what God's motivating me to do? He's not motivating me to whine. He's not motivating me to cry. He's not motivating me to feel sorry for myself. You know what God's causing me to do? He's causing me to triumph. He's causing me to express my praise and my gratitude and my worship and my adoration. That's what God's causing me to do. It is our worship that is that sweet savor, amen, that he talks about. In fact, I submit to you that this is one of the main reasons we are saved. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen You're generation. You're a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. You're a royal priesthood. And a holy nation. You're a holy nation. Peculiar people. You are a peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who uh -huh. has called you He's out of darkness. He's called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous, into his marvelous life. life. Now look, the first part of this verse talks about who we are. And the last part of the verse talks about where we are. Right? First part's who we are, chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people. That's who we are. We came out of darkness. We're living in light. That's where we are. But sandwiched in the middle is why we are. This is the reason that God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is the reason why God made you a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people. Here's the reason why that you should not think for and not watch for and not feel for it. Is anybody with me tonight? But God saved you that you would show forth the praises of him. You know what Sunday night ought to be? This ought to be triumph night. This ought to be triumph night. Every time we come in the house of God, it ought to be triumph time. Shout with a voice of triumph. Come on. Oh, clap your hands, all your people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. This is what it's all about, apostolics. This is what we've come to do. You're not here just to take a spot on a seat somewhere, but you're here to show forth the praises of the one that saved you. That's why you're here. He had his triumphs. This is ours. Oh. When the church was born, it was born in a time of shouting and worship. Right? Right? Something sure happened. I'm going to tell you, there's no way that you can fit 3,000 people in the upper room. So something happened. Evidently, they got drunk on the Holy Ghost. And they walked out of that upper room and down the streets of Jerusalem. Probably ended up right around the temple, I would imagine. That's my guess. 
I don't know, can't prove it, not going to say it for a fact, but that's my guess. I just have found out through the years that the spirit that's in me leads me to God's house. It never leads me away from it. Maybe I should say that again. The spirit that's in me always leads me to God's house, never away from God's house. If you're not being led to God's house, you might need a little bit more of the spirit. Well, it's the truth anyhow. But something happened that day, amen, when the Holy Ghost came and they were filled, amen, with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. The church was born with a shout. Now, I'm going to tell you, if that's the way it started, that's the way God wants it to continue. He doesn't want us to become a dead, dull, boring assembly. He wants triumph going on in these walls. He wants triumph going on in our services. I submit to you, I submit to you tonight, that you better get used to the voice of shouting. You better get used to it. Now, I know what you're probably thinking is, yeah, there's going to be a lot of it going on in heaven. You're right, there is. But I'm going to tell you, that's the way we're going to get to heaven. Read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. For the Lord Himself, for the Lord Himself, shall descend from heaven, descend from with heaven, a shout. with a whisper, with a nod, with a pointed finger. No, that's not the way He's coming back. You want to know how He's going to call us out of here? He's going to call us out with a shout. And I'm going to tell you, it's the people that love to shout that are going to be excited when that shout goes forth. It's going to be the triumphant one calling to triumphant ones. We're going to recognize what that shout is. Hey, that sounds like church to me. That sounds like Sunday night to me. It might be Monday afternoon and I might be on my job, but what I'm hearing right now, that sounds like Sunday night service. shall rise first then we which are alive and remain are going to say hey wait for me I'm coming too if there's any shouting going on I want to be a part of it if there's any shouting going on I want to participate hallelujah musicians come Come on, let's do a little bit of it tonight. Let's triumph in him tonight. 